The following broadcast by the Kingdom Voice, Dr. Dana Carson, is made possible through DCKM Partners. Dr. Carson teaches the power of the kingdom in its original Jewish context that will revolutionize and transform your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Check out our website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from the Kingdom Voice. DCKM, Dana Carson, Kingdom Ministries. In today's broadcast, Dr. Dana Carson, the Kingdom Voice, teaches us that when we get saved, we are given spiritual gifts. Today's message is titled, You Can Operate in the Supernatural, coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. We've established that if you are saved, you are called. Now, I want to say that again. If you are saved, you are called to be disciples of Christ. Uh, Jesus said, Go ye therefore in all the world and make disciples. You've been called to be a disciple. He wouldn't tell us to go into the world and make disciples and then make you something else. So your calling is to be a disciple of Christ. You are a living epistle to the world that proclaims the reality of Christ and his kingdom. That's who you are. You and I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a dynamic witness to the world. Um, that's why we have the Spirit of God in us. We're to be dynamic, powerful witnesses, martyrs. We lay down our life in order to share the testimony of Christ, his kingdom, and his crucifixion. We're called to give witness to both the cross and the crown of Christ. The Bible states that we've been called to the purpose of God. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8 and 28, For we know that all things work together for good for them who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. I want you to know uh, the Bible teaches that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 that God has called us according to his purpose. In Romans 8 and 28, he's called us according to his purpose. Many people are disillusioned and they are confused and frustrated because they're trying, they trying to find their purpose. Beloved, I want you to understand when you get saved, you don't have a purpose. When you get saved... You are called to the purpose of God. How can you have a purpose and then die to yourself? Now, that doesn't make any sense. If you die to yourself and you then are born again, that means you become alive to another agenda. Not your agenda, but God's agenda. So Paul says it very clear. Uh, he says that, all things work together for good for them who love the Lord and who are the called, the called according to his prothesis or purpose. You gave over your life in order to pick up his life. You can't pick up. That doesn't even make any spiritual sense. I died to myself in order to find my purpose. No, I died to myself 
in order to become alive to God. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul says it very clear. We've been called to the purpose of God. And so Christ explains that he was sent by the Father in order to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus didn't come to do his own will. He said, my meat and my drink is to do the will of him who sent me. Why would we think then we get saved and then our meat and our will is to do our own will? <laughs> you know, it's to do the will of him who sent us. John states that uh, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And... Uh, in 1 John 3 and 8, uh, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was on purpose, and his purpose was God's purpose. So your purpose is God's purpose. So the purpose that we embrace and share is God's purpose. Jesus told the disciples that the same works that uh, I do, these works shall you do, but you'll do them on a larger scale because I'm leaving and will send you back the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will uh, take what is localized in me. This is Christ, what Christ is saying, and he will globalize it in all of you. So in the book of Acts, it tells us that Christ ascends, the Holy Spirit descends, and the church extends because of the witness of the early church. Now, we must be the church of Jesus Christ that is known for expanding the borders of the kingdom of God as we, uh, as we welcome the elect into their calling. As we've been teaching, Paul teaches more about the gifts than anyone else. While Jesus is the model of the gift uh, or the gifts, we see him uh, operating the gifts of the Spirit in his ministry, Christ, uh, not as the Son of God, but as uh, the Son of Man. In essence, I'm saying the, the supernatural works that we see Jesus doing, he's not doing that as God in the flesh. He's dealing he's do, he's doing those gifts and those supernatural acts as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember he had to be fully man in order to die for man's sin and he had to be fully man empowered by the Spirit of God to to demonstrate to us what could be done by man with the Holy Spirit. So we need spiritual gifts in order to break the back of Satan and to confront the apathetic spirit that plagues the church as we confront the emergence of atheism and agnosticism. We need power. We need gifts. Because, <clears throat> beloved, we're dealing with an apostate church that is given over to the doctrine of demons and seducing spirits. We become a powerless church that boasts about religion and not relationship with God. Paul states it like this. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. 
When we receive the Spirit of God, we receive a supernatural ability to do incredible things on behalf of the kingdom and the elect. We have access to an arsenal of spiritual gifts that can be weaponized against the spirit of darkness and win over those who Satan has bound and blinded. These gifts assist the believer in having dual impact in their evangelism and discipleship, impact on Satan and his stronghold, and impact on the person and their bondage. Spiritual gifts are key to being effective in your calling, and God says they are without regret or irrevocable. He's not going to stop us from having access to gifts in order to fulfill the calling. Thus Paul informs us that believers can come short in their spiritual gifts if they do not maintain their relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit who is their guarantor. 1 Corinthians 1 and 7, it, 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 it talks about us not coming short in spiritual gifts, which means being able to be effective in ministry requires that you operate in the gifts. And Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, I don't want you to come up short in the utilization of the gifts of the Spirit. And you have to understand, you have to have the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 1.22, he's called the guarantor. So you have the guarantee of the Spirit, and the Spirit comes with the gifts. And so therefore, you should not be lacking in spiritual gifts. You should be operating in the supernatural. And see, that's one of the problems with the church. We just operate now strictly from a carnal perspective, strictly from an intellectual perspective. There's no power. There is no proof. There is no demonstration of the kingdom. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom. He explained the kingdom. And then he demonstrated the kingdom. We see Jesus flowing in dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit that makes manifest the power of the kingdom. As long as the power of the Holy Spirit is present, so is the power of the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't take back with him the power of the kingdom of God. In fact, he sent the power of the kingdom of God back after he ascended, just like he said in John 14 and John 15. And so therefore, he sent back the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And when the Spirit came and made uh, himself available unto man, man were to become dynamic, supernatural uh, vessels for the, uh, for the kingdom of God. Paul argues that each man has his or her gift from God, and they differ one from another. And so with our spiritual gifts, we should not expect other people to do what it is that we do uh, because their gifts differ from our gifts. The, the gifts differ one from another, and therefore we should not expect people to operate like us, which means we cannot be judging people 
by our gifts. Our gifts by your gift. We we can't like, oh, well, this one, I can do this, or well, I can do that. Well, that's good. We both can do something supernatural, but we must always remember that the super on our natural is able to touch the spiritual bondage that is on the natural man, the sinner, the lost person, the person that is without God. God gives us that anointing, that that rub of God through the gifts of the Spirit to be able to set the captive free. So we all have different gifts. We uh, we shouldn't expect others to operate like we operate in our gift because they have their own gift. Their gifting is different than uh, your gifting. 1 Corinthians 7 and 7. And so Paul's teachings... Uh, suggests that people can be uh, ignorant uh, concerning spiritual gifts. Um, uh, and he, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I do not want you to be without or ignorant or without knowledge, uh, without knowledge of spiritual gifts. And Paul is uh, very clear about that. He mentions that several times about what he doesn't want believers to be ignorant in. And one of those areas is spiritual gifts. He says, I do not want you to be without knowledge about spiritual gifts. And the problem in the 21st century uh, church is we are 150% ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And to the point where we can call witchcraft spiritual gifts because we don't know the distinction anything that's super we call it spiritual gifts and so satan has the ability to produce the supernatural from the dark side and god produces the supernatural from the holy spirit and if you are ignorant of the gifts of the spirit you won't be able to recognize when God's at work or Satan's at work because it's simply supernatural. So Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts and that he uh, he doesn't desire uh, that to be your, your, your reality, that you're walking around as a believer and don't know about spiritual gifts. Believers need to be literate concerning spiritual gifts. Let's read that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 2. Now concerning spiritual gifts. If you, if you look at that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here it says in complete Jewish Bible, but brothers, I do not want you to go on being ignorant about the things of the Spirit. Listen to what he says. I do not want you to go on being ignorant of the things of the Spirit. Now, in the New King James Version, it says concerning spiritual gifts. But you see in that in that uh, version, if you have a New King James Version or another version, that word gifts is italicized. And it's italicized, which means that it wasn't in the original manuscript. This is a translator's attempt 
to help you to understand what's being said contextually. That's why they have to italicize it and because it does not appear in the original manuscript. So it says now concerning, really it should say then, now concerning pneumonticos. Uh, the root of the word pneuma, uh, the root of the word pneumonticos is uh, pneuma, spiritual. Now concerning spiritual brethren. Now concerning spiritual people. Now concerning spiritual things. So Paul is saying, <clears throat> now concerning spiritual things or spiritual uh, uh, brethren, I do not want you to be I do not want you to be without knowledge. I do not want you to be ignorant. Then he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, or you were carried away by gods that could not communicate, gods that could not talk, gods that you just laid sacrifices uh on their altars and you burnt incense and made fire and and you just had yourself a real good old meditation time like you have uh, today. You have Christians, young people running around burning candles and incense because they're trying to create a spiritual experience because they do not experience an authentic spiritual experience. So when you don't have an authentic spiritual experience, you go and try to fabricate one. You can't sit down in no room, burn candles, chant, meditate, and watch candle smoke go up and say, I feel peace, yang, yang, yang. You can't do all that old crazy stuff. So Paul says, you serve dumb idols uh, dumb means they had they didn't have the ability to talk. Let's see what it says in verse two here. You know that when you were pagans, no matter how you felt, you were being led. You were being led astray uh, to idols. So he's letting you know you were uh, pagan in your understanding, and anything that doesn't serve Yahweh or or, or God through Christ is an idol god. And so so this so he says that you were carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. So if you see then Paul is saying believers do not need to be illiterate concerning spiritual gifts. Thank you for listening to the kingdom teaching of Dr. Dana Carson. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, visit drdanacarson.org slash radio. If you would like to know more about the kingdom and your faith, we invite you to enroll in the Kingdom Bible University. Check this out. Studying the Bible can be challenging if you don't understand what you're reading. As kingdom citizens, we are called to live out God's word in every moment of our lives, but we must understand the word in order to do that. The Kingdom Bible University was created to help believers learn God's Word on a practical level and teach you how to live it out in your daily life. KBU desires to help you achieve the kingdom knowledge and empowerment of the Bible that helps you enhance your spiritual life to maximize your potential. Find out more information about KBU by visiting our website, www.kingdombibleuniversity.com. 
understand the Bible like never before, and experience the power that is within to change your life for God's glory. Learn more about KBU today. Before we end this broadcast, we would like to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now, acknowledging that I am a sinner and in need of your grace. Save me, Lord. Make me clean. All that I am, all that I have, I give to you. Thank you, Lord for saving me. If you said this prayer, we celebrate with you and we invite you to join online to further your kingdom journey at therockwoi.com and click on join online. We would love to assist you through your new kingdom life and send you a free copy of Dr. Carson's book, My New Life in the Kingdom. We look forward to connecting with you. Hi, beloved. This is Dr. Dana Carson affectionately known as the Kingdom Voice. You know, I work very, very hard to fulfill the purpose of God on my life and the church's life. And we take this gospel of the Kingdom around the world. We're touching lives all over. We're touching lives globally. And I want you to partner with me so that we can do that in a more effective manner and also that fruit may abound to your account. Every time I preach the gospel, that means that you're there preaching it with me because you're providing the necessary support that allows me to reach nations and people all over the world. I need your support. I want you to partner with me. If you click the link, it'll tell you a little bit more about our partners ministry. But will you partner with me? I want you to be able to say, I partner with Dana Carson Kingdom Ministry, and we take the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Thank you. God bless. In this gospel of the kingdom, the good news bless across the world. The preceding broadcast has been brought to you by DCKM Partners, helping people to know God, make Him known to others, and spread the kingdom message around the world. Find out more at drdanacarson.org. DCKM, Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries.